Welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals Podcast, a podcast about stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly distributed. The Filmed Live Musicals website contains information on nearly 200 musicals that have been captured live. Check it out at filmedlivemusicals.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 14 of the Filmed Live Musicals Podcast. This week's guest is Eliza Jackson, an Australian actor now based in London. Eliza founded Lambert Jackson Productions with, with musical theatre recording artist Jamie Lambert in 2018. In the past couple of years, Lambert Jackson have produced a wide range of critically acclaimed concerts, including There's Nothing Like a Dame, 100 Years of Women in Musical Theatre, Main Men of Musicals, West End Women, Love at the Musicals, and the UK concert premiere of Dr. Zhivago starring Ramin Karamalu. During 2020, Lambert Jackson produced the online concert series Leave a Light On and several virtual productions, including First Date with Samantha Barks and Simon Lipkin, The Last Five Years, Songs for a New World, and Title of Show. Their work throughout 2020 led them to be included in the stage's top 100 theatre makers of the of 2020 list. At the end of January, Lambert Jackson will stream a new virtual production of I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. Welcome, Eliza. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Very excited to talk to you about everything that you have been up to in the past year, which is a lot. It's been busy. (laughs) (laughs) But to start off with, what made you first fall in love with musical theatre? Well, from age three, I had told my mum that I wanted to be a ballerina. So being the brilliant mum that she is, she <laughs> enrolled me into the local dance school, which actually specialised in music theatre. And I quickly figured out that I I absolutely was never going to be a professional ballerina as much as I hoped I would. <laughs> um, and, yeah, the, the school offered really amazing uh, different classes in singing and acrobatics and theatre dance and, you know, all the different things. And so obviously I just became obsessed with all of it straight away and had to be enrolled in every single type of discipline. Um, and so basically from about, about age five or six, I was like, I'm going to be a professional actress. I'm going to work on the West End. I'm going to be on Broadway. This is my life. Um, and the lady, Cheryl, who rang, ran the dance school, her daughter um, at the time was working professionally in music theatre in Australia. So she would come in and out of our lives, you know, doing classes here and there and master classes and things like that. And I was like, you're living my dream. That is what I'm going to do with my life. And my mum was super supportive. She'd take me to all the shows when they would come to town. I mean, as you know, as an Aussie, there weren't a whole heap of musicals, <laughs> but like the couple that came to town every year, we'd go and see. And it was kind of just who I was from a very early age. So yeah. When did you become aware of the West End as something that you were aiming for? Well, this same daughter of my dance teacher, Katie, she moved over to London during my childhood and she worked over here on the West End in some shows. And I mean, she was just my idol. So I was like, well, if she's gone to London to be in this magical place called the West End, then that is also what I'm going to do. Um, And I was really lucky to travel a lot as a child. My parents kind of took my brother and I all over the world, super spoiled, super lucky. And I remember the first time we came to London, I was about 11. And one of the first things I did was go and see a show. And mum taught me to see Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It was one of the greatest times of my life. I still remember it vividly. There was actually a costume mishap that, um, what's 
she's not a duchess. She's like the, I can't remember her role, but she had like a halter neck dress on and she was doing her big solo number and this strap broke and flipped open. She didn't have bra on. And I mean, everyone just lost it. And like, I have such a vivid memory, like of the whole show, but like specifically of that. And just, and she just absolutely like cackled with laughter. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's having so much fun. And like things go wrong and it's like the best thing ever. And I was just like, even more so, this is what I have to do with my life. Yeah. <laughs> I love that she was able to laugh through that. Oh, yeah, no. I, I actually should look up who the actress was because, I mean, she You're was You're probably just, working with her now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that just be like the greatest full circle moment? So when did you move to the UK from Australia? I was 21, so it must have been almost nine years ago. And yeah, I, I moved over to be to do a kind of post-grad course with my best friend, um, Tina, who I... Um, studied at NIDA with in Sydney, who you know as well, um, <laughs> our mutual friend. And yeah, and we moved over to a postgrad course in London, which was kind of like an accelerated professionals course to meet um, other professionals here, other performers, but also work with a lot of musical directors and directors and, you know, people in the industry, um, which was brilliant um kind of exactly what I needed to like throw me in the deep end here and I very much moved over with the aim of being a performer I mean things have changed a lot in those nine years um but I definitely did try to be a performer and had like mild success with it for a little while until I kind of decided that as much as I loved performing it just wasn't going to be exactly what I needed it to be and then it kind of led me down this kind of producer path and I've landed here in this job that is just like better than anything I could have ever imagined. I'm just, yeah, super grateful weirdly for the journey because also having been like an out of work actor and, you know, a struggling performer and things, Jamie, my business partner and I have both kind of talked about this. So I'm totally going off on a tangent, but um, we, we've both talked about the fact that we know what it's like to be a performer. So hopefully that makes us slightly better producers because we kind of know the struggles and the hardship and how you want to be treated as a performer and that you're not just a thing. You're actually a human being with feelings and your own thoughts and emotions and stuff. So anyway, yeah, long story short. <laughs> it's. I think that's really important because you understand what it's like to be on the other side of the table. That's exactly right. And for like... Even for little things like, um, you know, audition processes and things, like it's very, I don't know, it's easy to just like think of these people as another number or something coming in and singing a song for you and being like, oh, no, or yes, no, whatever, and just like ticking off names. But seeing them come in and actually remembering and knowing that feeling so well of how daunting audition experience is and things like that. So it's just, it's something that Jay and I really, we just think it's super important to keep in the back of our minds at all times that, you know, actors are people and have, you know, emotions and they need to be looked after. We sure do. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Auditions are horrible. <laughs> like the actual worst, 100%. I, I challenge anyone in other industries to continually have to interview for their jobs every Put themselves months or <laughs> their hearts like and souls on the line all the time. It's too much. Yeah. So you had started this theatre company. It was really at its beginnings. And although you had already achieved a lot with, with the concerts that you had produced, 
talk me through 2020 <laughs> as, as best one can. <laughs> so, yeah, as you said, we kind of, um, we'd started the company, I don't know, a year or so before, and we'd done some great stuff, but like relatively small scale in the grand scheme of things with the hopes of like very slowly, but surely building up the company to become, I don't know, the next Cam Max, Sonny Friedman, whatever, but like taking our sweet old time about it. Um, Because we were still learning what we were doing and what was working and what wasn't and things. But we basically saw Broadway shut because Broadway shut before the West ended. So we kind of had like a week, 10 days-ish notice that it was looking pretty grim and the West End was probably going to shut as well. And it was actually Jamie um, who came up with the idea that we needed to do something to keep people in work. That was kind of our main like driving factor um, behind the Leave a Light On series was to keep, I mean, we've got so many pals. All our friends are all brilliant actors and brilliant performers. And like chatting to all of them, they were like, what are we going to do for the three weeks that we thought were going to be our time off work? I mean, I think we all knew in the back of our minds it was going to be a bit longer than that. Maybe not quite as long as it's been, but um, definitely knew it was going to be like a longish period of time. So first and foremost, it was about keeping people in work, but it was also like keeping us in work, Jamie and I doing something, keeping focused, having like a reason to get up in the morning. Um, So yeah, Jamie came up with the idea to do this Leave a Light On series, which was at home concerts with music theatre stars. And also like rising stars and graduates and a whole range of different performers from across the UK. Um, And initially the plan was to film it. We'd collaborated with the Theatre Cafe over here, which is this really gorgeous, fun theatre venue right in the heart of the West End. And we were going to film the shows from there because this this was at a time when we all thought, okay, the West End's shut, but we'll probably still be able to travel for work and record in certain places, things like that. So we filmed the first day of three different artists um, at the theatre cafe. And then that night um, we were told everything had, like everyone had to stay home. And we had already announced this whole season of like, I don't know, something ridiculous, like 21 different stars. And we were like, what are we going to do? Yeah, it was. This must have come together in minutes. Yeah. How getting all of these people on board and scheduled and. It was literally insanity. And then so we were ringing people being like, can you do it from home? And then people were like, okay, like, let's give it a go with like less than 24 hours notice. I mean, it was actually chaos. And then all these different people we'd like, we'd announced, I don't know, a, a week or two of two or three artists a day. And then all these different people were like, I'm sick. I can't do it. Like all these different things. Life is happening. Like I'm now living with my parents. I don't have a space to film for you. And because we were, we'd started the process with the um, shows being entirely live, like not filmed and then streamed as live. They were actually live streamed. So like that goes with so many issues, like um, particularly internet connection. That is like, and that has been the bane of our existence. Um, <laughs> so every time someone was streaming, it was like Jamie and I on tenterhooks, like being like, is this even going to go out live? And then obviously other people's internets having issues connecting and all of this stuff. But we ended up doing a season of 72 different shows um, across a period of around two months or so. We had some of the most incredible talent. And as I said, some faces that everyone knew across the world and we had people like tuning in from Japan, Australia, um, 
the States, like all over the place, which was just so cool. And then some people that were lesser known but did some of the most beautiful at-home shows I've ever seen. People um, like John Owen Jones, brilliant, um, known for like Phantom of the Opera, Les Mis, things like that. He ended up doing this like incredible concert in his living room where he like um, had some like disco lights and he tacked up some, um, you know, what are those like slash curtains called? They're like, that are kind of gold and sparkly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like everyone just went to so much effort to make it feel special and like a proper show. I mean, we had a couple of people who watched every single show. Um, And something that we're really proud of is that um, every single person who was a part of it, so from the artists, obviously, to the streaming service, to the theatre cafe, to us, to um, the MD who recorded all the tracks for everyone, every single person got paid for their time. And that's something for Jamie and I, we were just so, so proud of because at the beginning of the pandemic, um, particularly, there was um, quite a lot of um, free theatre that was available. And that is incredible. And I think that's so necessary. And I think it is important that theatre is accessible to everyone. But at the same time, what was really important to Jamie and I was to prove that these, all these people need to work. They like, they need to work to be paid money to be able to pay their bills, but they also need to work to be given a, a purpose to be getting up in the morning and singing their scales and learning new repertoire and thinking creatively and putting together a show. Um, so that, yeah, that was my first couple of months of lockdown, which was <laughs> mental and amazing. So had you done, had what experience had you had with streaming before no. all of this? So uh, we, we had not streamed anything yet. Um, so when we first came up with the idea, we um, collaborated with, the theater cafe and they had done some streamed stuff before. So they had a streaming company that they worked with who were brilliant. And we did all 72 shows with them. Um, even through the chaos, everyone kind of still loved each other at the end, which is saying something because it was like the most stressful situation ever. But yeah, it's, it turned out to be like this really magical experience for everyone. And I think a lot of people we're really proud to be a part of it. Um, yeah. So that was Was that. the streaming service, were they helping artists set up at home? Like, yeah. So would they send out kits or were they just providing like, here's a list of things you need to set up? So everyone just used their smartphone, um, which, I mean, we're so lucky that this pandemic happened, I mean, for many reasons now and not 10 years ago, least of which the technology now is pretty incredible. Um, so everyone just filmed on their smartphones. I mean, um, quite a few artists had their own like sound setups and things at home just from self tapes and, um, voiceover work they might do and things like that. But even still, the ones who didn't made some proper magic with just using their iPhones. Um, but yeah, the streaming service, um, would ring each of the artists in the morning and basically set them up with how they needed to stream directly. Um, and kind of walked them through the whole process of how they were going to connect and everything. I mean, I feel so sorry for some of the artists right at the beginning. They're really our guinea pigs um, for how the whole process was going to work. I mean, a lot of the streams started with, I mean, is this on? I'm really hoping that everyone's there and watching. Um, hi. <laughs> um, but then we kind of got the hang of it after a while. And um, yeah, by the end, we kind of had it 
kind of quite down, which is good. I, my mind is like just exploding right now, thinking about the logistics of all of it. I mean, going from the theatre cafe, being in person, it's you can communicate with people yeah. to suddenly, you know, lockdown got very strict and you, you weren't allowed to travel, you had to stay home. What that changes, and like you said, internet connection. I mean, <laughs> that. Is, we can't control it. <laughs> Yeah, and because we every um, every artist would have an internet connection test with our um, streaming service the day before, but internet is very fickle. It likes to change its mind like within an hour, but let alone overnight. Um, so I mean, there were definitely some challenges, and there were some people who thought they'd gone live, hadn't gone live, performed a whole show. I mean, it was so dramatic, and like obviously. Jamie and I and the Theatre Cafe, we, this was our heart and soul. Like everything, our whole lives were, ro- were revolving around this series at the time and it would break us when something would go wrong. But, I mean, we managed to, everyone managed to come out and with a happy ending at the end. So <laughs> that was good. And you provided so much joy to people in providing new original content and yeah. these beautiful concerts, and you're employing artists. I mean, it was a massive win on so many fronts. And Jamie and I, I think we're just super lucky to get in as quickly as we did, because I think a lot of people had these ideas, but we just kind of threw ourselves in the deep end right at the beginning and worked it out as we went, um, which obviously meant that we didn't sleep for two months. But it did also mean that we kind of, beat a lot of the competition to get their first. Um, I mean, uh, there, so many people have done some brilliant at-home theatre um, concerts and series and things now, um, and I'm so supportive of all of them. But it was kind of great to get in there first and show people that it, it was a possibility and equally that people really wanted and needed entertainment that was not just Netflix or you know, something that was filmed years ago. It, and I think people also loved the fact that things went wrong and people had deliveries, like being delivered mid-show and people's cats walked in and boyfriends would walk in and be like, oh, oh, sorry, you're, you're filming. You're doing the thing. That's yeah. now. Okay. That's, sorry. Oh, gosh. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it's it's quite fun to see people kind of, get through those obstacles and things. I think people really, and also people love seeing into people's lives. So all these, everyone had to film in their living room or their bedroom or their kitchen. Um, I mean, some people were lucky enough to have like a garage or something that they could film, but most people filmed in their home space. And for especially some of the bigger artists that we had involved, like Rachel Tucker and John Owen Jones. And I mean, we had a huge range of incredible talent their fans just loved the opportunity to be able to see into their world a little bit. Um, Yeah, so it's just really cool. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's so uplifting during what was a really crazy, scary, overwhelming time. Particularly that first few months, I think, it was just so unknown what was happening and um, it really was scary and a lot of people were felt quite isolated, I think, um, artists and audience members alike. And I think it was a real um, way of connecting people, especially in our industry. We had decided with the Leave a Light On series and and with subsequent shows that we would have dedicated showing times instead of 
having it available on YouTube or another service where you can just watch it whenever you want. Um, we actually quite liked the idea that we could have like a shared theatrical experience. So in that way, we could kind of help with the connection kind of of our audience members. Like we'd tweet about it and, and everyone would be sharing tweets and Instagram posts and everything. And it felt kind of like, yeah, this shared audience experience, mm-hmm. um, which I think was really important, especially in that like really crucial, scary time at the beginning when we just had no idea what was happening. Um, and also most of our artists really opened up about how they were feeling about lockdown and how they were struggling and, or weren't struggling or, you know, things that were helping them stay motivated and stuff that, I mean, you know, a, a normal cabaret show, the, the patter can be, you know, you can draw on so many different, you know, things that happen in your life and things, but this, a lot of people talked about, you know, just their experiences of that period of time. And I think that was really helpful for a lot of people to hear that, you know, someone that they idolize or really respect and look up to is actually really struggling as well. And that, you know, this is a song that helps them get through it. And that's why they're going to sing this beautiful, you know, ballad or uplifting Whitney Houston pop number or something. (laughs) So that was pretty cool too. What was the process of shifting from the Live a Light On series to producing entire musicals? So Lauren Samuels, who's a brilliant actress, um, British actress um, over here, she um, is quite a good friend of Jamie and mine. And it was actually her idea. She came to us with the idea of doing um, The Last Five Years, which is the brilliant Jason Robert Brown classic. Um, Mm -hmm. And she brought the idea to Jamie and I um, just when we were wrapping up the Leave a Light On series. And we were like, okay, it's brilliant, but we just can't wrap our heads around it, like at all, how how technically this can work. You know, we'd just done 72 shows and we were exhausted. Like I know that sounds stupid because we weren't performing them in any way, but it was just such an emotional time. And she was like, guys, I've got it. Like you just need to trust me on this. Can you just help me get the rights? I will look after everything in terms of direction, casting, everything, Right. So for the first like week or so, we kind of just left her to it and we were like, let's just see if she can even like, if she's, you know, if she's got this, like, let's, let's serious. Yeah. yeah, we'll leave her to it. Um, and we were so lucky that Jason said yes um, to us doing a virtual production. Uh, he's been incredibly supportive, particularly of our company, but of all theatre around the world with his work and giving people like quite a lot of free reign to play with his material during this crazy time. Um, I mean, there's been quite a few writers, rightly so, like I have absolutely no problem with this, but a lot of writers who are like, actually, I don't know if my show would work virtually or I'd prefer it just to stay in in a live stage world. Um, but Jason was kind of a bit like, you know what, just give it a go and see if it works. Um, so Lauren came back and she was like, I've found the perfect Jamie. I've got this idea. I, I think we can really do this. Um, and we were like, okay, throw caution to the wind. Let's do it. Um, and threw ourselves kind of cr- crazily into this whole new mad world of creating a whole project without the two artists ever having met before in real life. I mean, Genuinely, I think she's just a genius. This is so Lauren is a fabulous actress, but she had never directed before. She had just come up with this brilliant idea before anyone else did and was just like, just trust me, I think I can direct this as well. We were like, you know what? 
Go for it. This is a production of Last Five Years that was recorded entirely in two separate spaces. They never met. They recorded um, both in their houses. And she directed the whole thing via Zoom, which is just like outrageously intelligent. Um, and then they edited it together beautifully. And it was a huge success. Like so much more so than I think we ever gave her credit for. Because um, she was just... She was just so sure it was going to work and she was just absolutely right because I think we'd gotten to a point with our um, at-home concert series that people loved it, but people now needed something more. They wanted stories and they wanted characters and they wanted just something more that they could grab onto rather than just like a cabaret in someone's living room, which mm-hmm. is so fair enough. We were a few months in now. We, we needed to like up the ante. Um, so yeah, she came to us with that brilliant idea. And then off the back of that, um, a brilliant director, Shami Campbell got in touch with us who was like, I saw your last five years. I can do that. And like, take it up a step. We were like, yeah, cool. And he's like, I know you've just done a Jason Robert Brown show, but I think I can do it with songs for a new world. And we were like, Oh, but we're going to look really dodgy doing two like Jason Robert Brown shows back to back. And then we we spoke to Jason about it and he was like, I love it. Go for it. Just have fun. And we ended up getting the most exquisite cast together. I mean, we would never have managed to get that cast in one room for a live show. It just so happened that, I mean, Rachel Tucker was meant to be on Broadway and Come From Away. Ramin was meant to be in Japan doing... I don't know, something over there. Like all of them were meant to be all over the place doing different shows. Cedric Neal was meant to be in oh something in, in town on the West End. And Rachel John had just wrapped Hamilton and she was going to have a break. Um, she was playing Angelica in Hamilton over here. Um, and yeah, it just, I mean, it just should never have happened in real life, but we just magically got this wonderful bunch of actors together who were kind of, happy to throw themselves into this mad world. Again, the cast and creative team never met in real life. Um, And they spent hours and hours on Zoom learning the material and learning those mental harmonies. I don't know if you know Songs for New World well, but the harmonies are insane. Jason Robert Brown's music is not easy. It's notoriously difficult. Yeah, and if you're trying to learn that without someone like right next to you seeing that, it's just like this crazy experience. Um, we were just so lucky that these four and our um, beautiful music director and his whole team could work magic and make it all come together um so that was our second virtual um full theatrical piece that we did um and again that was filmed entirely in their own houses and then spliced together um Shami and Danny Khan who directed it um Shami the director uh, sorry we'll go back so Shami who was our beautiful director and Danny Khan who was our editor they worked together I mean for hundreds of hours editing it together, but just with some really brilliant topical um, references to make it make sense. So there, it was set with a backdrop of 2020 as, as the world behind it. So there was the Black Lives Matter movement um, protest um, footage, and there was some footage of Trump and his crazy administration. And there was 
footage, obviously, of all the beautiful theatres shut down and Shaftesbury Avenue being completely dead with like a tumbleweed going across it. Um, so it was so topical and relevant and poignant and incredibly now um, that it just blew up. It just became something so much more than we ever could have hoped it would be. I mean, we were so impressed with how the last five years did and how brilliantly that came together that we kind of expected Songs for a New World would be similar and that it would be really loved and it would be like this beautiful piece, but it wouldn't just like snowball into this incredibly huge, incredible, I I don't know, it kind of became Lambert Jackson's like ultimate piece so far. Um, and actually we were really lucky in, we had a couple of months where things started opening back up in London and we were um, lucky enough to be able to produce um, a two show run, run, I say in inverted commas, <laughs> of like a concert version of the virtual piece that we did at the London Palladium. And it was just the most, I don't know, one of my most cherished days ever um, getting, I mean, we only had half capacity. That was all we were allowed in in the London Palladium. So just over a thousand people for each of the performances. But getting people who had seen our virtual production into a room, all from all over the UK, into a room together, most of these people are avid theatre goers who hadn't been to the theatre in, I don't know, six, eight months at the time, together, it was like a rock concert. It was like the most electric, ridiculous energy I've ever experienced. Um, And so it was just like a proper magical moment. So that was our second (laughs) virtual production. And then we've kind of just been lucky enough to almost every month do another full-scale musical, but performed virtually. And it's just been a really insane process but amazing what restrictions did you come across so here in the U.S. there are lots of restrictions around equity and the contracts and who is allowed to stream and where they're allowed to stream and who gets paid for what and how much and and so there hasn't been as much commercial scale uh, streams of of shows because they're not allowed to stream them so what sort of challenges did you come up against either with uh, actor contracts or rights, for, like you mentioned earlier, that some writers don't want their shows virt- performed virtually and streaming rights as well? What were those barriers? Um, so it definitely was a challenge, especially at the beginning, even getting a hold of any of the shows to be able to make them into virtual shows. As I mentioned earlier, um, a lot of the writers just like weren't up for that. Um, so we kind of had to think outside the box for some of our shows, things that maybe, I mean, like from the beginning, Andrew Lloyd Webber said he wasn't going to have any, any of his material made into new streams. There's yeah been a, a few, like Sondheim, he's now let a couple of um, pieces be made, but he's been very specific what they are, how they're done, things like that. And I understand that they have um, creative integrity. They need to look after their pieces. And I, I so understand that. Um but we were lucky, as I said, with Jason, that he kind of was happy to let us have a play. So, and we were 
um, equally lucky with um, our contact at MTI, which is um, the rights license, one of the big rights licensing um, companies. Um, Sean at MTI has been like one of our biggest champions and he uh, really pushed um, some of the writers and their lawyers and all the people that look after them to be like, this is the way forward for this period of time. Please just like let this happen. So we had we were really lucky um, in that sense. So we had like Sean's back and, you know, MTI kind of behind us and then we – from that, we got Concord, which was another rights um, licensing company that they kind of got on on our side as well. Um, so in that sense, we we were really supported um, because we just had these people that were really fighting for us to be able to continue theatre. Um, Jamie and I also have quite an amazing relationship with, um, at the time, it was a relatively small bunch of age, actors agents. Um, I mean, that's now blossomed into a pretty amazing relationship with a whole heap of different agents. But some of those agents at the beginning let us use their incredible talent. Um, And they were like, okay, if you look after our artists, we know this is not like a normal equity situation, but let's just make sure everyone's looked after and paid to an extent that we're all happy with, this is not normal times, but let's give it a go. And because we had those core agents from the beginning really on our side, they were able to talk with their artists and kind of get them on on side as well. But I think one of the things that was just so important was by this time it was the summer. We'd already been in lockdown for a few months. Everyone was bored out of their brains and just needing to be creative. Um, so in terms of contracts, nothing is how we would work usually. And we literally say that in, in offer, in offer emails to our artists and to our creative teams, we go, look, if this isn't for you, that's absolutely fine. And this actually isn't like how we would usually work, but is this something you'll come on board with for this, 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 and we can discuss this, this, this in the future. Um, and it's, it's actually been a really rewarding experience because so many people have just been like, you know what, let's just give it a go. And in so many ways, it's become such a rewarding experience for all of us, not only in the sense that we've made money and every single production that we have produced has made money. And that means every single person on the team, including the whole creative team, the artistic team, everyone has walked out with a good chunk of money in their pockets but also it's been rewarding because these people who live and breathe theater have been able to actually do what they love and get paid for it because it's what they do it's not what they it's not a hobby this is their actual livelihoods and like for example um songs for a new world ramin and rachel tucker both have kids like they have families to support and a lot of the artists we've worked with over these over this period, have partners, have parents, have Mortgages, kids, have rent. more. That's exactly Skills. right. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm not exactly sure of the situation in the states, but over here, there was quite a long period of time before they, the government, even discussed the arts. And I mean, this two point something billion pound a year um, industry. So, yeah. 
to answer your question, it, it's not a normal way of working, that, but it's a way that we've found works and kind of supports everyone in a really kind of wonky, weird way. Do you think going forward that streaming and digital productions are going to be a part of theatre even when theatres reopen? We've talked about this a lot, actually. Um, I think stream theatre will never be able to take the place of live theatre entirely. There is something really special and emotional and beautiful about being in a theatre with other human beings, and that will that will never change. But I do think there is there is a huge place for stream theatre. I think it's so important that it is. I mean, the the best thing about stream theatre is it makes it accessible to people around the world, people who can't travel because they live on the other side of the world or because they just travel is not as easy for them or they're not very well or it's actually too expensive to get to London or to their main hub city that has theatre and then pay the travel costs, pay the hotel cost, and then pay the pretty extortionate on the whole ticket prices Mm -hmm. to see these shows. So I think in the future, what would be brilliant is to be able to have an offering of both. So you can, you can go and see a live show, but then there is the opportunity to watch a streamed production. And I think, I mean, we have quite a few um, kind of one-offy kind of shows coming up um, later on in the year where we're hoping we'll have um, at least a socially distant audience in there, but then also streaming the show live. So having people sitting at home at the same time watching it as uh, the people sitting in the audience in the theatre. And I think that is the way forward. And I think if anything, this pretty crappy time has taught us, it's that theatre will continue with whatever circumstances are happening around us um, because it is kind of such a lifeblood for so many people. It's it's so important to continue. Um, and if we can do everything we can to make it accessible to every person around the world, then I think that's our job now. That is music to my ears. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When you did title of show. Yeah. Can you talk us through that process? And uh, I'm really interested in the camera setup and and what the filming of that production was like. Sure. So title of show was like, I think our fourth virtual show. And again, we just got the most outrageous cast who we would have never gotten together in one room. Um, And we, I mean, we talked a lot about where we wanted to film it um, because we had, we filmed it um, in collaboration with the London Coliseum, which is one of the most beautiful theatres probably in the world. And they were like, film it on the stage, you know, it'll be beautiful. (laughs) And we are lucky enough to be able to, uh, we've just filmed I Love You, A Perfect Now Change on the Coliseum stage. But for this, they were like, it doesn't make sense. Like, this is a group of write, like actors who are writing a show. There's no way they're on the London Coliseum stage yet, right? So we used their um, brilliant rehearsal space um, and filmed the whole thing in there. Um, and we had a full professional um, team in. So it was actually the first time that we had brought in a completely um, whole professional videography um, team and sound team and full lights and everything. Um, 
we had done First Date, the musical, just before title of show. Um, and Dean, the, our brilliant director, is also a professional videographer. So he kind of did a whole heap of everything, um, which, I mean, he just insanely talented. Um, but it meant that because he was so kind of, on it himself we didn't need to bring in a whole team but because um time of show was a completely different beast and we wanted it to be basically every time we've done a show we want it to be a step up from the one we've done before you know we learn each time things that work things that don't work and also audiences are getting a bit more savvy with what they like and what they don't like and what you know they need now um which i think is great um but for title of show, we ended up having a the most like brilliant videographer come in who works um, most of his time for the BBC. So like extraordinarily talented. Up and um, <laughs> yeah, um, and he he brought in like a full professional film um, system, um, and we filmed the whole show over two days, which. I mean, for a 90-minute show, seems like that should be super doable and super easy. It was like the tightest schedule. I was there like cracking the whip being like, time is marching on, we need to get this done. Like this, you need to be working faster. And the whole team and cast were just like amazing and just got it done. Um, but, yeah, it was it was brilliant because we, we brought in um, – you know, a professional lighting designer and full on theatrical lights. And, you know, it was, we kind of had the ability to play a little bit more and make it slightly more theatrical than some of our other pieces had been. Um, and had more opportunities to play with camera angles and editing and all of that. So yeah, it was a really brilliant experience. And actually quite a lot of that team that we used for title of show, we brought on for I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change as well because they're just bloody heroes. And one of the coolest things we've found actually over this time is that all of these exceptionally talented people, cast and creative team and technical team alike, they're just so willing to go outside their job title they'll just, they'll, everyone just is happy to muck in. Like, you know, sometimes before the pandemic, people would get very stuck in their roles and they would say, look, like, you know, this is my role and I'm happy to do that, but I won't like step outside it at all. But I think everyone knows like putting on theatre during this time is basically impossible. So everyone's like, you know what? You want me to move some lights? I'll move some lights. You want me to do this? Yeah, I'll do that. Everyone has just been incredibly gracious um, with helping in every different way. And that I genuinely believe is the only way we've been able to manage getting anything out at all is because everyone has kind of just helped out in every area. So, I mean, I'm thinking about this particularly for title of show because the rehearsal room is on the top floor, which is five floors up and they have no lift going up. They only have a lift going down. So every piece of equipment um, as in, go so the ground floor. <laughs> that, I mean, you're pulling a uh, strange I'm, face. Yes, I'm very confused. Which what lift goes up but doesn't come down? Or so the, ground floor, <laughs> the, the ground floor, like where you come in with everything, 
um, the stages below that. So there's a lift going down to the stage level, but there's no lift going up to the rehearsal room level. Got it. Um, that makes more sense. I should have used more words. Um, <laughs> so every piece of equipment we use, sound equipment, lighting, um, set, everything, had to literally be hoiked up five um, staircases, um, yeah, five sets of staircases. Yeah. Um, and I had my whole team helping me. Like everyone was just like, yep, roll your sleeves up, let's do this. And, yeah, I mean, I'm just, Jamie and I are so grateful for everyone kind of just leaving their egos at the door and just making it happen. Um, That's something I'm hearing a lot of. Um, It reminds me of a company here in the States uh, called Prima Theatre and they were performing shows literally on the back of a truck bed and touring it around the the town. And it's this kind of like it goes back to this like almost medieval idea of theatre where it's just people, like a group of people who care about telling stories, doing whatever they can and surviving the plague <laughs> to tell stories. Like that's, oh, that's and that's, it's so elemental. And now, like you were saying earlier, with technology and smartphones, we have a way of connecting with people beyond our town in a way that we never have before and it's so I'm I'm hoping that the pandemic is showing people who were resistant to streaming theatre and filming theatre at all that it only opens the doors. That's the thing I mean all of our live theatre that we've since put on sale for later this year that we can hopefully you know actually do um it hasn't taken away from people wanting to book those tickets. Like people are still desperate to go to live theatre. It's not like people like, well, I can just sit at home and watch that, um, so why would I buy a live ticket? I mean, sure, there will be some of those people. But on the whole, for most people, it's an entirely different experience. If they can be in a theatre, they will be. But And if they can't be, then they'll stream it. I think there's, there's a need for, for both. Absolutely. And it's it's like music concerts. The music industry were horrified by streaming and uh, making music available cheaply online. And yes, record sales fell, but you know what went up? Concert tickets. Because people people always crave the live experience. And that's, you know, I you're, you're just, you're preaching to the choir here because <laughs> <laughs> for me, theatre... Is yes, it is always best experienced live, but that nothing nothing will replace that. But it it's not harmed by capturing it on camera and making it available on whether it's television or cinema or on the internet. I mean, growing up as a theater obsessed kid who would have like wanted to see every piece of theater ever and just like spend her whole life watching theater. I mean, imagine being able, I mean, you were the same. Imagine if we could have sat at home in Australia and watched Broadway shows and watched West End shows or show, touring shows around the world. Like that would have, and even, you know, a really special piece of theatre that you want to relive. Like if you got to see it live, but then you just want to rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. That, I mean, oh, like <laughs> heaven that that's now a possibility. These kids today, they don't even know. I know, they're so lucky. <laughs> so 
can you give us details about where we can watch I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change? Yes, um, please do. I am genuinely mega proud of this one. I think, as I said before, we've learnt and grown with every virtual piece that we've produced and we've gathered this pretty insanely talented team around us that can really bring these shows to life. Um, so yeah, this, this one for me is, is the closest thing to almost being a movie musical. It's that beautiful and that high quality and that visually appealing, but it still has that really live theatrical essence, which I think is important. We're not trying to recreate, I don't know, La La Land. Um, but it's, it's that really cool mix of both worlds, which I think is really cool and exciting. Um, so yes, please watch it. It's going to be excellent. It's streaming on the 28th to the 30th of January. Um, if you go to the London Coliseum website, that's where tickets are available. At the moment, we've only got four performances, which is um, 7.30 p.m. each night, UK time, which I think is what? Two ish PM if you're in New York. in New York. And yeah. uh, oh, I can't convert that in my head. Uh, Four thirty <laughs> in the morning in Sydney. <laughs> yeah, four thirty in the morning in Sydney is not like that helpful. Um, but we also, yeah, we've got um, a matinee screening um, at midday, which I think is slightly more palatable to mm. um, Asia and Australia. Um, well, we'll have links in the show notes. Please do. And please watch it. The cast are insanely talented. The team behind it have really created magic. I am just about to watch the final edit, actually, and it's just beautiful. Um, we did release um, a video of um, Oliver Thompson. He's um, quite famous um, over here for We Will Rock You and Kinky Boots and a whole heap of wonderful shows. Um, we released one of his big numbers. So um, go and check that out because it's so beautiful. I mean, what a heart from. Um, it's um the the best thing about the show is it's basically a comedy. Like on on every aspect, it's a comedy. It will make you laugh a lot, but then they just throw in these really beautiful, poignant, emotional captivating ballads that make you just like stop and kind of reflect so it's it kind of hits you in all the spots it's um it ticks all the boxes really for a show and I know you had quite a few challenges getting into filming when one of your cast members had to suddenly come to the states come back so uh our beautiful Travity on Nicholas's um mother sadly passed away um quite shockingly and we were due to start filming that morning I had my whole crew loading in everything was being set up and my cast were on their way and Trevor's agent rang us and was like Trevor has to go back to the states because he's um, originally from America and I'm really sorry he's he's devastated like he can't he can't do the show and we were like he needs to not think about the show at all and just go and look after himself and his family um but just, I mean, he's an absolute sweetheart. He sent us the most beautiful apology message, which was just so unnecessary. We were like, Trevor, this is just a show. It's fine. Um, but we were so lucky because Simon Lipkin, who's just one of probably one of the funniest people ever, he did actually first date for us with Samantha Bucks. Um, he 
I think was the most recent person to have done this show. Um, but since he's done it, it's been rewritten. Um, so there's a 2018 version and I think he did it in like 2016 or 17. Um, and it's been completely updated. And by that, I mean, almost every single word is different. The melodies are all the same and the ideas of the songs are the same, but it's very updated. It's very now. Um, and he, he came in, I think he arrived at like midday. They did about five hours rehearsals and then he did two full days of filming the next day and the day after. I mean, that is talent. And I mean, the whole team around him, the other cast members, and obviously the creative team were just like rock stars for being able to get it done. That you just can't write that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, he's perfect for the role. He smashes it um, as Trevor would have done too. And I mean, we send all our love and thoughts to him. Um, and it was obviously quite an emotional time for everyone because everyone was feeling so much for Trevor and like wanting to, you know, be there for him and everything. But then obviously having a job to do and having to get on with the show. The show must go on, right? This It ties beautifully back to what we were talking about at the very beginning where as producers who have been performers, being human about it and not, you know, saying who do you think you are? We're filming today, you know, because – You've, I've heard stories of particularly older actors whose, you know, their parents died and they had to go and do a two-show day. Uh, and there that, was, you know, there was just no space for them to, to take time off. So I think that really speaks to the strength of you as people and you as a company that you really take care of people. And then the ability of Simon to step in and everyone to kind of come together, that's like, that's theatre. That's the, that's the essence, you know, show business is show business. But, like, the this idea of coming together to tell stories and everybody pitching in and doing what they can, I think that you can't – that's the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah, I, I so agree with you. We've, we, on that project, but all the projects we've done so far, we've been so lucky to meet and work with just the most beautifully genuine people, um, obviously insanely talented and very good at what they do, but – it's been a hard time to be making theatre and everyone has had to hold each other and and kind of buoy each other up. There's been moments in each of the productions where I've had actors, the team calling me being like, we can't do it. Like it's impossible. It's too hard. The, it's just, there's just too much against us. But then everyone kind of rallies together and it becomes this really – connected on a spiritual level thing um like particularly my songs cast I mean they will have a connection between them that will last forever because they not only did this virtual show together they got to take it to the palladium and do it one of the only live musical shows that happened in 2020 in the west end whilst being temperature checked and having jabs left, right and centre to make sure everything was okay and and having the stress of not knowing every single day if they'd be able to do the show and all the other things that come with it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a hard time but a particularly special and also weirdly hopeful time just to see how resilient people are and 
particularly our industry, like we have literally been battered more so than most industries. And I think we've been the only reason why we will come back from this is because the people in it are genuinely good, kind, beautiful, giving people. And I think we're very lucky to be working in that kind of industry. Oh, thank you for all that you have done and that are you, you are continuing to do. I know we're running a little short on time. I could literally talk to you for hours. <laughs> I mean, it's been such a pleasure. <laughs> oh, thank you. So I have some rapid fire questions that I ask oh. all my guests. Okay. You don't need to think about it too much. Whatever comes to mind, there are no wrong answers. All right. What is your favorite musical? Oh, I'm going to have to say Wicked. It's the first one I saw on Broadway. I know it's a boring answer, but it just means something to me. No boring answers. I love it. What is, uh, if you have one, what is your favorite filmed live musical? Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm, like the which filmed, one? the arena version that mm-hmm. they did. I don't know. Dimension and Mel. Oh. Yeah, 100%. Give me some Spice Girl, <laughs> Mary Magdalene, any day. <laughs> no, Mel C, not Mel B. Mel, Mel C. C. Yes. And and our very own Australian Tim Minchin. Oh, who was like an absolute rocker in it. I loved it. Slaying as Judas. Amazing. <laughs> Filmed theatre is not exactly live theatre and it's not, not exactly a film. So what should yeah. we call it? Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. Oh, can I think on it? No, I'm not allowed to, am I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you an email in like a couple of days. Okay. And it's not going to, it's not going to help right now. But <laughs> you know, I, I know it's, this question is my favorite because oh. it's torture. <laughs> I don't know. That's okay. Where do you stand on bootlegs? I, I'm Okay. As a producer, very anti the bootleg. Um, I mean, mostly because it's really distracting for the artists who are up on the stage. Also, they're never good quality. They never show the shows well. And it takes away from people who could be paying audience members. If you asked me that as an 11-year-old musical-obsessed girl in Australia, I would have secretly said I love them, but don't ever tell anyone that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what do you wish had been filmed uh, I'm gonna say the version of singing in the rain um that was on the west end when I first moved to town and I don't know why to this day it stays with me as one of the greatest pieces of theater that and inheritance did you say that the play two no. two-part play um, it was on here maybe two years ago and then it transferred to Broadway. Yeah. has to be one of the most harrowing, emotional, uplifting pieces of theatre I've ever seen. Mm. I think maybe they're making it into a film, but it's not going to be the same. You know what I mean? No, it's, no it is not the same. Just capture the, the play. Yes. The, the stage show. Yes. <laughs> Please. Oh, I have deep feelings about that. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to see filmed in the future? Mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to give away too many ideas because we've definitely got some virtual shows in the pipeline, which aren't <laughs> the same I know as like live um, film shows. But, oh, I mean, 
everything and anything, I'm up for it. Like I, I'll watch it all. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Eliza. It has been wonderful chatting with you today. You too. Thanks so much for having me. Film Live Musicals is a labor of love, and we'd like to thank everyone who makes it possible. Thank you to our patrons, Josh Brandon, Mercedes Esteban, Rachel Esteban, David Negrin, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, Al Monaco, David and Catherine Rabinowitz, and Beck Twist for your support. If you'd like to support Film Live Musicals, please like and review on your podcast app. Find us on Twitter at Musicals on Screen and on Facebook at Film Live Musicals. If you'd like to support the site financially, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash musicals on screen. No matter what level you are able to pledge, you receive early access to written content and early access to this very podcast. Visit www.filmlivemusicals.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.